Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Erevin, daf Tzadivav, page 96. But I'm actually going to wrap up a little bit or begin with a little bit of the end of page 95 because it was such a big daf. We knew that we were going to, um, you know, not tackle everything that was on the page. And this bit really does lead very nicely into our daf today. Um, we're talking, if you recall, there's a discussion over whether Shabbat is a time for, for tefillin or not a time for tefillin. And the Gemara here, again, I'm reading in the bottom of, of um, Tzadi Hay, says, Rabban Gamliel Savar Shabbat loves man tefillin hu. So Rabban Gamliel, to begin with, holds that Shabbat is not a time for tefillin, right? Which was his whole point. He was the one who said that you could wear more than one at a time to remove them from you know, the public domain to get them off the street um, to protect the tefillin, right? And then the Gemara says, But if you want to say that really everybody agrees that Shabbat is a time for tefillin, so then they're not really disagreeing about whether you can wear tefillin or you should be wearing tefillin on Shabbat, but they're disagreeing about whether mitzvot tefillin kavana whether for, for a mitzvah to be fulfilled, right, you need to have intent that what you're doing is the mitzvah and that it should be fulfilled, right? That that, that is your purpose in doing it, as opposed to, for example, wearing tillin to carry them from one place to the next. If mitzvah trichot kavana, then wearing tillin to carry them, right, then you're not, or to move them from one place to the next, rather, then, then you don't have any intent for the mitzvah. Right, and so then you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of tefillin in this act, and there's nothing to worry about because you're simply being a vehicle to transport the tefillin. Um, I should note that the verb that we use for tefillin is not actually wear, but to lay. Right, We lay tefillin. We don't wear them. It's a it's a it's a mitzvah. It's not a clothing. It's not a it's a, not a piece of attire. Tanakama savar. Let's say by kavana. So the tanakama then. Over there, previously in the Mishnah, is in fact saying that yes, mitzvot shrichol kavana. Rabban Gamliel sevar lo by kavana, but Rabban Gamliel said you don't. They don't need kavana. You don't need kavana to to fulfill your mitzvah. In which case, if you're wearing your pairs of tefillin, then you are in fact going to fulfill your obligation with one of them, right? And then the question becomes: Well, are, is that an issue of baltosif? Are you violating? Um, how do we call baltosif? Adding something inappropriately, I guess, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's doing more than what you are supposed to do for a mitzvah, and that's a problem, which which is interesting. In other words, you can't add on. I think the example they give of sukkah actually is a great example of that. It ends up they say it's not a case of baltosif because of you know because of the diaspora, but the idea that like you can't just say like oh I want to be in the sukkah an extra day. Because that's doing more. You're you don't you don't you're not supposed to be in the sukkah for eight days. It's just seven days, right? Right. And so here, the ideas that according to Rabbi Gamliel, you could have intent to have your second to to still be wearing your tefillin, laying your tefillin for the purpose of tefillin. And now I'm on to our daf today, right? If you want to say, and because again, this is the Gemara here, developing or narrow, narrowing, refining the, the dispute here. If you want to say that everybody agrees that to fulfill your mitzvah, you don't, the mitzvah don't, don't need kavana. And that is the bottom line, Pesach, um, 
I think every time this discussion comes up, but it comes up several times, several times, probably many times throughout Shas, right? So then if you're not debating, if they weren't really debating whether you wear, wear tefillin on Shabbat, whether you lay tefillin on Shabbat, let me get the verbs right, right? Then they're not, and then they're not really debating whether mitzvot tzrichot kavana, because we say that they don't, then clearly what they're debating, this is the next attempt, right, is whether you've got a case of baltosif, the lavor mishum baltosif, lo by kavana, right, that the Tanakama says that if you're going to, to violate baltosif, you don't actually need to have any intent to violate baltosif, you just do. Rabban Gamliel savar lavor mishum baltosif by kavana, that to actually violate this prohibition of baltosif of doing extra unnecessarily or inappropriately, you would actually have intent to do that, right? Um, okay, so then we've narrowed it a little bit, right? And then we've got another case. We go back to this question. If you say that Shabbos is the time for tefillin, you say that because everybody has already said you don't need kavana, then what happens is that you don't, let me say this carefully, right? If you, if Shabbat is a time for tefillin and everybody agrees that you don't need intent, right? For Baltosif, then you also, and you also don't need intent to fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin, right? Then the implication is that this is why you could wear those tefillin to, to move them from one place. Right, and in that case, it really is wearing because you're not you're not aiming to do the mitzvah. I, what I love about this discussion is there's so many different starting on the previous page and carrying on to this page is there's so many different permutations of considerations when we do mitzvah. Like it's not just so simple of doing the mitzvah. Did you have kavana? Was it baltosif? Like there's just so many different layers of how to unpack this one simple case. And the last one is, is it the right time, right? Meaning, because if it's the wrong time of day to begin with, when you're bringing the tefillin from this place to that place, then it's a whole different discussion. Right, exactly. So again, it's, it's, there's so many different ways to look at what exactly is the, you know, why was this allowed to be done or why shouldn't this have been allowed to be done? Um, and, I, and I think it also just introduces to us a lot of interesting concepts that we're going to see over and over again in our, in our study uh, you know, Dafyomi, just basic underlying concepts about mitzvot. Um, I'm going to jump down to something on the bottom of Amaral that carries over to Amadbet, which is a discussion of women who did things that normally, or that we made an assumption that women did not have did not have to do. In other words, there are what we call mitzvot aseishas man grama, which we talked about a little bit in Masachet Brachot, right? Time bound mitzvot. Uh, that women are not obligated to do. And the question is, and this gets discussed here on this staff, uh, they may not have to do it, but is there a reshoot? Are they allowed to do it? Right? Tanahu, right? So the Gemara here is discussing about, is this the Tana who holds that you can wear uh, or that you should wear tefillin on Shabbat? Ditanya. And so they're going to quote this Brisa. Michal Bakushi. So Michal the daughter of Kushi. Now, uh, you know, just an interesting side note, Kushi here, there are some texts that say Michal bat Shaul, right? But this is obviously who we're talking about, the daughter of Shaul, who married David HaMelech, um, who married King David. Uh, this is based on uh, a verse in Tehillim, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, where it talks about uh, a, a, a Kush 
uh, who was a who was from Binyamin, and we know that um, that uh, Shaul Hamelach, the King Saul, was from Binyamin. So you know that's a whole other thing why he's referred to her as a Kushi, right? So Michal Bakushi Haitam Manachat Filin Velo Chachamim. So she would wear tefillin, and the Chachamim didn't uh, prevent her from doing that. They didn't protest against her doing it. In other words, she was allowed to do it. The wife of Yona, right? So she would go up for the pilgrimage, right? Of, you know, Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuot. Uh, in the Torah itself, it says it's only something that men have to do. Um, and it's also considered to be a time bound mitzvah, right? Because it's at a certain time during the year where you are Olala Regal. Um, and so she wanted to participate in this. And the Chachamim didn't say, that she wasn't allowed to. They didn't prevent her from doing it. Right? So the first assumption here of the Gemara is, from the fact that the sages did not prevent Michal, Bat Shaul, uh, from wearing tefillin, or Aisha Yonah from being Olala Regal, is that these actually must not be time-bound mitzvot. Right? It's a mitzvah that you could basically do um, at, uh, at, at any time. But most importantly, we're really talking about the tefillin here, right? That so therefore, if a tefillin is not a mitzvah to say shazman grama, right? It's not a time-bound mitzvah. Therefore, it means it's a mitzvah that you can do at night and you can do on Shabbat. It's not something you do just during weekdays. So that's how they learn that here from this price. It must be, in other words, it can't be that it's that she did a mitzvah to say shazman grama. It must be that tefillin is not a mitzvah to say shazman grama. But then the Gemara is going to reject that and say, Bidilmo Savrele, right? But perhaps this Tana holds, Karabiosi, like Rabbiosi to Amar, Nashim Som Chot Rashut. And this is an important halachic principle that Rabbiosi, at least, is of the opinion that it's optional for women uh, to do smicha. Now, obviously, we're talking about a different case, and we're going to talk about this case of smicha much later on. Um, because this is actually the not this particular case, but an example of smicha is the first machlokas that's sort of recorded in, uh, in in oral law. But the idea of smicha is is that when somebody was bringing a korban, right, a person was bringing that korban would put their head on top of that animal, right. And some of the concept behind that is is that it may be a way of sort of in a very uh, not even in a symbolic way, right? But sort of showing the transference of you to that animal, right? That it's almost like you should have been sacrificed, but instead you're, this animal is coming to represent you um, as, you know, and you would do this before it was actually slaughtered. So again, this is a mitzvah seishas man grama, um, and only men have to do this. Um, but what Rabbi Yossi holds is that nashim somchot reshut, that if women want to do this mitzvah of smicha, right? they are allowed to. And therefore, what we infer from here is that Rabbi Yossi must hold that for all mitzvah to say shazman grama, that even if women are not commanded to do something, there's a reshut, there, there's no obligation to do it, but if they want to do it, they can do it. And then the Gemara goes on to say, but if you don't want to say this, that maybe you want to say the Tana doesn't hold like Rabbi Yossi, right? That, you know, Yona's wife, who would go to, you know, who would go to Yerushalayim uh, to be Ola Larega on the holidays, and the sages and the Chachamim didn't prevent her from doing so. Maybe that particular case is that that's not a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. 
Rather, what is it? It's that it wasn't an obligation for her to be Olala Regal. Not that it's not a mitzvah to say garment. Really, it's just that men were obligated to do it. She wasn't obligated to do it. And it was just, you know, it was just a reshoot. Um, so now they're going to go back to now talking about tefillin. Elahai Tanaki. So maybe this Tanaku, again, we're talking about that you do, could wear tefillin on Shabbat, the Tanya. Now we're going to quote another Brisa here, right? Is this the same Tanaku, basically Tanaki, that teaches this Brisa? Hamotzit tefillin, right? Let's say somebody finds tefillin. Machnisin zug zug, right? You bring them in. If you find them on Shabbat, you carry them pair by pair. Whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether they're new or whether they're old, this is what Rabbi Meir holds. Rabbi Huda says, no, you can only bring it in if they're new ones um, and not, uh, sorry, you don't bring them in if they're new feeling. You only can carry them on Shabbat if they're um, old feeling. And so we'll end with this. Right? So when we read this, uh, this Tanaitic passage, right? It shows that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, what do they disagree about? Their machlokas is over, right? New tefillin versus old tefillin. But they don't argue about the case of a woman wearing tefillin. So we must learn from this that tefillin is actually not a mitzvah and any mitzvah say that is any mitzvah say grama, women are actually uh, they are actually obligated to do. And then the Gemara, I don't want to read the whole thing because I, I I find this whole thing. Oh, maybe I'll read a little bit uh, a, a a little bit more here just to round it out. The Dilma The Gemara rejects this and wants to say no. Maybe we do hold actually like Rabbi Yossi, who says that it is. You know, that what the Amar Nashim Smochot Rashut, that women could do things that are optional. In his particular case, it's the case of Smicha. Lo Salka Datech, the low Rabbi Meir, Sabra la Karabi Yosi, the low Rabbi Huda, Sabra la Karabi Yosi. And they say, no, this isn't the case here because Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda don't hold by this opinion um, uh, like Rabbi Yosi. And then they give an example with Shofar. Uh, to show uh, how that is the case, that if a woman wanted to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah, we actually would prevent her from doing it, but a child would be allowed to blow shofar. Not that they're blowing it for the mitzvah, but more if they just were trying to blow the shofar. Um, There's a lot to discuss on this one particular discussion, and I think I'm really just raising it more uh, to show that, you know, even the idea of the understanding, you know, when we read about it in Brachot, that, you know, certain mitzvot are mitzvot as man grama, that concept seems to sort of been set in stone and particularly around tefillin. Um, but here I think we're seeing an interesting source which shows that there may be some halakhic opinion that does not show that it's mitzvot as man grama. And I think this makes sense because just as you, Anne, mentioned yesterday, that it's interesting to see that the idea that, you know, it's still under discussion on this dot whether or not you would wear tefillin on Shabbat, right? Like we assumed, no, everyone knows you don't wear tefillin on Shabbat, which is how we paskin today. And ultimately we do paskin that women don't wear tefillin, right? But the, you know, but the idea here that it's still up for discussion, I see, I think we see that also reflected here that a, uh, you know, an offshoot of that discussion of whether or not you wear tefillin on Shabbat is whether or not women can actually still wear 
uh, tefillin. Because if you're going to say it can be worn on Shabbat, then it can't be a mitzvah to say Shazman Brahma. Right. That's certainly true. The discussion of whether women can wear, like, I feel like at some point there's a departure between this question of Shabbat versus whether women can wear tefillin, right? And the fact that we paskin that women don't is not the same thing as saying we paskin that women can't. I don't know if that's true about Shabbat, right? If you had asked me in the middle of the night, you know, is it, are you permitted to wear tefillin on Shabbat? I would have said no, because of these other things, these other pieces of the Gemara on the daf and, and the coming dafim, right? That where we're talking about oat, right? That Again, I mentioned this the other day, that the rationale between, we've got a machloket on this stuff, Rabbi Akiva, does Rabbi Akiva really think that you could wear tefillin on Shabbat or that it does he think that you should not? Right, it, it's ongoing at this point, and then at some point, I know they paskin. Otherwise, I don't know whether it means that they paskin no or prohibited. Um, we will get there, right? I assume this is, I, I assume, part of the challenge of being one of those women who does not wear tefillin, right? So I don't have as much, uh, you know, I don't have as much background in the all the internet. Right, and I think it's just important it. to see sort of these type of sort of historical precedences, you know, precedent. Precedences, not a word. These historic, you know, this historical precedent. Like there is a strong tradition, obviously, that Michal did wear tefillin. And so, you know, where does that all fit in? And what does it mean now that, you know, sort of, let's say, the more normative accepted sock is, is that women do not wear tefillin? When we read these types of passages, I certainly understand why people struggle with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and then the one last thing I just wanted to mention at the end, I'm not going to read it inside was this whole thing, all, all of a sudden, out of the blue, they start talking about tzitzis and tzitzis. And eventually... Right, I love right, that. It's like literally like a non sequitur. But then it relates to this idea of like, how much effort does somebody make something to look like a mitzvah, even though they're not using it for a mitzvah, right? So the idea is, is that like, you wouldn't cut the string to look like what you would use for the string for tzitzit with tzitzit, because it's too much effort. And Anne, this gets to your question yesterday about the chadash show. Like, would someone really make an effort to make an amulet that looks like tefillin, but wasn't really tefillin? So Rabbi Yehuda says yes, and that's why he feels like chadashot you can't carry, because on the off chance that it's actually an amulet and not real tefillin, that could be a possibility. So I had suggested yesterday that maybe it's just the shape people like. You thought that was crazy, but Rabbi Yehuda doesn't think it's so crazy. Right, which is interesting. It's interesting. Well, look, I think it's an interesting concept of the, the underlying concept is interesting because it's sort of saying, like, what do we assume humans are willing to put effort into or not put effort into? And things which are ritual objects, right, that require a certain type of care to create them, right? Why would you do something um, to that standard if you're not going to actually use it for that ritual? Indeed, I don't have an answer. No, it's it's. I think it's just posed as a question here. Yes, yes, but I like yeah. I think that we're gonna unfold. What do you call it? Unpack it. It's gonna it's gonna follow us around a little bit. I, I, think. I think so too. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robin and Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stuff, and particularly some of the discussion around filling and women on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.